Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your goodness. We're thankful for your name. We join the psalmist in his declaration that your name is a rock and that we can run to it and find salvation. So we praise you for that. And ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would meet with us in this moment. We recognize that you're everywhere all the time. But we pray with your prophets that you would manifest your presence. That you would, as Isaiah said, tear open the heavens and come down. We're so grateful that you are Emmanuel. That you're God with us. So many without hope this Christmas season. God, we ask that in our feeble attempts to serve you and to serve this city, that through your word and through the lifting high of your name, that this Christmas season we would see people come to know you and to confess you as Lord to the glory of your name. So, Father, be with us in this moment as we open your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? And would the promise of your word come true, that it w- that your word as it goes in would cut to the heart, that it would search us and know us. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're wrapping up our sermon series in the book of Galatians. If you're a guest of ours, and we believe that, we don't believe you're a visitor, we believe you're an honored guest. And so we're excited that you're here and wrapping this up. But I have to pause all things Redeemer City Church and be the very first person to say to you, Merry Christmas. Come on, say it back to me. Yes, I am a Christmas guy. I love it. I love it. And, uh, just praying for some cold weather. Not too cold. Don't worry, not too cold. Just right. Just right. Just right. 65 and sunny with a cool breeze. It's, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not asking for a lot. But uh, as you consider this Christmas season, I want to start with a question this morning. And I want you to really ponder it. Because I think all too often we come in and we listen to a sermon and it goes in one ear and... Out the other. And I'm offended by that. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We got a lot going on in our in our world, right? We have a lot going on in your world. But what I want you to consider this morning is this question. What is the loudest voice in your life? Think about that. What is the loudest voice in your life? If you're a parent, you're like, my kids. It's no brainer. If you're a coon, you're like Malachi. Um, I know it right away. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your soul, in your heart. What is the loudest voice in your life? Is it a voice of condemnation? Is it a voice of peace? Is it a voice of stress? What, what is it? Because you see, like, there's a lot of things that go on in your life. Sometimes it's finances. Having plenty and getting distracted by that with the cares of this world. Some of you in this room, you're, you're in the place where you don't have enough. And that's a distraction from walking with Jesus. For some of us, it's school and performing at a high level. That can be all-consuming, can't it? For some of us, it's school and climbing out of a low-performing report card. You don't have to amen that one. Depending on where we've been and what we've gone through. It can be a job and climbing the ladder of success. It can be a job that we don't like and we struggle to want to climb the ladder of success. It can be a relationship that consumes all of your attention. Show of hands, anyone ever been infatuated in the room? Oh, you should all have your hands up or you're lying. 
I'll never forget being smitten with love. It was Christmas time in Pennsylvania in a 1988 Toyota Celica 5-speed that I spray-painted by myself, that I confessed my dying love for Camden, then Alexander, now Coon. And she looked right back at me and said, Okay. Hey, father-in-laws, keep it quiet. Consumed by that passion, right? If only it was reciprocated. Kidding. Took her a little while, but she came around. She saw the light. I was going to take that farther, but I should stop. For some of us, it can be an addiction, right? Where we, we are clouded in our view because of an addiction to sin or an addiction to a substance. And we need help. For some of us, it can be laziness. For some of us, it can be something legitimate like depression. And for some of us, we're not even sure what it is. We just know that things don't feel right. Maybe in this holiday season, you lost a loved one. And you'd prefer to just skip December. I don't know where you're at today, but I think all of us, if we search our heart, if we invite the Holy Spirit to search our heart, right? Like the scripture says, search me and know me and try my heart and see if there might be some wicked way in me. Because here's the truth. Most of the time, the loudest voice in your life is a voice that the devil put there to distract you from doing what the scripture lays out for you to do, which is to do all that you do to the glory of God. And so as you consider that, I want to dive into the end of Galatians, and we've covered a ton of material. And as you think about all the grand things that we've covered from the doctrine of justification, that you've been saved by Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, there's the doctrine of adoption where you're not just legally in, because what we talked about for the past few weeks was, I would have been okay if I just got in and became a slave in the house of God, right? It's like the psalmist wrote, you know, I'd rather come and be a gatekeeper in the house of God if I can dwell with him forever. It'd be fine to just let people in right this way, man. Right this way, sir. Jesus is that way. And uh, you don't need to go anywhere else. Jesus is that way. I mean, I, I'd be okay with that. That could be my job for eternity. Amen? We'd be okay with that. But that's not where God stopped. See, because God's a loving Father, and He adopts you into His family. So He saves you, He rescues you, and makes you right before God the Father. But then He adopts you into the family. And God truly becomes your father. And so it's in that backdrop that we come to uh, the last two chapters of Galatians. And what I want you to see is that alternative to whatever the loudest voices are in your head. We're going to take this moment and recognize that God has a different plan and a different purpose for your life. There's an alternative option for you today. The Bible says this, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But you have to resist the devil. And that's the hardest part. But God has an alternative. And, and if you aren't a follower of Jesus today, if you walked in here because you needed a donut or you needed some coffee or... Whatever brought you in here, somebody lied to you and said they were taking you to breakfast and they rolled in and was like, well, there's donuts. All right. Listen, we'll do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus. All right. There's an alternative for you today. There's freedom that can be yours right now. There's satisfaction that can be yours right now. Things can get better whether you are in Christ or not with Christ, 
things for you can get better in your soul today. Because God wants to do life with you. God wants to be in a relationship with you. And I want to show you this morning why I believe you should make that move. If you are not a follower of Christ, I want to to convince you today that that's the best decision you can make. That if the Holy Spirit, if if you're feeling that tug on your heart, that you should surrender to that. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, One of the most difficult things that we sometimes have to face is silencing the loudest voice in our head. To do more or to try harder or to fix that or to fix this or to be this or to be that. And what you're going to be surprised by is it doesn't mean a lack of activity. It doesn't mean that we don't do what God's called us to do, but it changes why we do what God's called us to do. And, and let me just start here. If you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1 to start. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It'll be on the screen. You can get on the Version Bible app and go under events and you'll find the notes. If you have the note sheet that you got in your worship guide, get it out. We've got lots of notes to take today uh, that are going to help you, going to help re- you remember this week uh, the next step that you're going to take at the end of today. Fair enough? But listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, an amazing declaration after all that he said. Here's what he says. For freedom, Christ set us free. Just leave that on the screen for a second. And I want you to ponder that. I'm not an English buff, but he says freedom and free right after each other. Seems significant. It's for freedom... That Christ set us free. Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he say, God set you free. In Christ you have freedom. Why does he say it that way? Why does he say it's for freedom that Christ set us free? Because in the rest of the verse, our humanness becomes evident. Listen to what he says. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then. And don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is the implication there? That we humans get set free by God. And after a few months or a few weeks or a couple years, what do we start to do? Slip, slide back over to slavery. Don't we? And so even though my... Vertical relationship with God never changed. Fixed in heaven. No one can take you out of my Father's hand, Jesus said. It's done. Paul said in Romans that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Forever fixed, forever settled. But how many of you know that my decisions on a daily basis can put me right back into slavery? And we all struggle with that. Every single one of us, whatever it is for you, it's so easy as a human being with so many cares in the world, good ones and bad ones, to stop doing what Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to start fixing my eyes on whatever it is that I'm a slave to. Work, money, family, kids, friends. What am I missing? Anybody want to confess? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Food. Hallelujah. Man, I struggle with that one. It's your choice. And it's a difficult choice. But what God's offering you today, according to his word, is freedom. The mission statement of this church is, is to see people set free. We do that by loving God, sharing good news, and serving the city. But Redeemer City Church exists to see people set free. Why? Because Jesus said he came to earth in Luke chapter 4 to see people set free. 
And we're passionate about that. Because God in his infinite wisdom doesn't force your hand, but instead opens his hand. And John chapter 6 says the spirit of God will begin to draw you in. And if he's drawing you in, I would encourage you to stand firm and not submit to the yoke of slavery. And instead, hold fast to Christ. Because it's for your freedom that Christ sets you free. I want you to notice, though, as we move into verse 2 through 9, that there's some things that are going to compete for his attention. There's going to be some things in life that compete for his attention. Look at verse 2. Paul, with an exclamation point, says this. Take note. What does that mean? This is of particular importance for you as a follower of Jesus to pay attention to. Take note. Paul, I am Paul. I, Paul. I'm telling you that if you get your if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. You're like, what does that have to do with anything? It was for lack of time. You probably shouldn't Google Google that either. You should probably just come ask later if you want to know what that is. But there were certain religious rites and rituals that people followed in Bible times. And before we get too carried away with thinking they were a whole lot different than us, we do the same thing. We go visit a church and say, well, I don't like that. I do like that. Why don't they do that? Where They should do that for sure. And we become consumers of religion instead of worshipers of Jesus. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. We're not even three years old and I, I know, I can see on your face when you don't like something that's different. I'm like, why do you wear that shirt? I don't like that shirt. T-shirt, wore a T-shirt. And of course, I'm being silly, but you know what I'm talking about. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you know how easy it is to slide into looking at what I want instead of looking at what Jesus wants. So he says, take note about what you're submitting to. Are you submitting to rules or are you submitting to relationship because here's what we know if we walk with jesus we're going to start to act and talk and look like jesus i had a friend in college who camden wasn't particularly fond of because what happens when you spend a lot of time with somebody you start to act like them not in like big decisions but in like annoying personality decisions right like you start to say the stuff they say you start to tell the jokes they tell and before you know it you're like i don't act like that i'm a, I'm a man I'm my own man. And you're like, oh, actually, I'm not. I'm saying everything that person's saying. And if you're not careful, we can do that. We, we can submit to the things that we ought not submit to. And we can forget about the joy of being in relationship with Jesus. But listen to what he keeps going. Verse 3 Again, I testify to you, every man who gets himself circumcised, he's obligated to the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. That's a scary verse, right? It sounds like, whoa, so, you, you know, Mitch, you talk a lot about Jesus holding us and you not being able to lose your salvation. And I still stand by that because here's the reality. If you could lose your salvation, you would. So what is this talking about? This is talking about the people who have had everything right in front of them. They, they've had everything presented to them. They, they've been shown grace. They've been shown faith. Everything's been walked in front of them. God's promise to Abraham that we studied a few weeks ago was that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. But do all receive that benefit? They don't. They do in God's common grace. In the fact that they can breathe and the fact that they can provide for themselves and the fact that they can see the same sunset, see the same glory of God as it shines over the mountains. I mean, there's some common grace, but when it comes to the relationship that has been offered freely and God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's so many that 
do the pushback and want to live for themselves and believe. You see, no, nobody doesn't worship. We're all worshiping something. Some of us are just worshiping ourselves. And we need to be rescued from that. And so to have fallen away from Christ is to have been given every opportunity to have had everything set in front of us to follow Jesus and to say, I'm going to go it on my own. I'm going to do this thing on my own. Paul said in a different chapter, I'm afraid I wasted my time. That maybe you never came to Christ at all. He goes on, verse 5, he says, For we are, but we, we are different. We eagerly wait through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. That's Christmas. God, come to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh. Come for you. What an amazing thought that this baby was born in a feeding trough for animals. Raised by a poor carpenter. Then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And then was raised to life three days later so that you could have life. So that you could be set free from whatever that loudest voice in your head is today. What an amazing thought. He keeps going. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision accomplishes anything. The rituals and rules don't matter. The spiritual disciplines don't matter unless you get this first thing right. What matters is faith. Working through love. Some of your translation will say the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Why is that so true? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that without faith it's impossible to please God. And it also tells us that you reap what you sow. We're going to study that in a minute. It also tells us the Pharisees come to Jesus. Pharisees were these religious people. Uh, these, you know, yuppity pastors who would come to Jesus and try to stump him with questions. And they, they, they came to him and said, you know, what, what's the greatest, what's the greatest verse, what's the greatest law that you have? And they thought they stumped him in Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, owns him. And he says, what? The golden rule, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Why could he say that? Because if you're in relationship with Jesus, you're going to begin to love people like Jesus and everything else is going to happen. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Then jump down to verse 13 and and we begin to see that there's this difference between what the flesh produces and what the spirit produces. What the flesh brings to your life and what the spirit brings to your life. Look at verse 13. For you were called to be free. Here we come back to this freedom. That if you're going to have faith in Jesus and love people, there's real freedom there. If I stop living for me and living for them, I'm going to experience this freedom because I've been called to be free. That if I submit to Faith working through love, faith in Jesus, loving people, that I'm going to begin to feel the things I want to feel. That I'm going to begin to see the things I want to see. I'm going to begin to change the way I want to change. For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul says keep coming back to our human nature, doesn't he? Because we constantly want to fall back into slavery. And sometimes it's religion and sometimes it's pleasure. We're, we're going to drift one of two places. We're going to drift into rules or we're going to drift into fun, fake fun. 
says, don't use it as an opportunity to, to your, for your flesh. Some of your translations are going to say, to indulge your flesh. To love your flesh. To love your sin. To enjoy your sin. But serve one another through love. How do you resist the devil? You don't look for opportunities to indulge your flesh. You look for opportunities to love people. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. I love that. For the flesh desires what's against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. There is a war in your soul every moment of every day for you to do what you want to do or for you to do what God wants you to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The rules aren't going to change you, you see, because the law can't deliver on what it demands. The rules can't deliver on what they demand. Only the God who made the rules can deliver on the demand. And he did that in Jesus. So he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What an amazing thing. Then he says this, he says, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's just keep reading. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. There's no rules against that. I don't know if this is on the screen or not. Maybe they're that quick, but I didn't give it to them, I don't think. But I want to read this next part. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. What an amazing passage of Scripture. That, that there are these two totally separate lifestyles that I have the choice to move into every morning of my life. That when I get out of bed... I can move into my flesh, and I can live for me, and I can indulge my flesh, but it's going to produce all kinds of different things in my life. Think about just some of these. I put them in your notes. The flesh produces, let's just go through these, just just go through four, because there's a lot more, but first of all, it produces bondage. Think about that. When you wake up and you choose your flesh, you choose to live for you, you immediately choose to be a slave. You immediately choose to live in bondage to sin, indulging the flesh, or religion. How I act is more important than who I know. We never give any time to Jesus because we're too worried about doing the right thing. When in reality, if we would walk with Jesus, if we walk in step with the Spirit, if we would pray and live in the Spirit of God, Spirit-filled life, we would do the things we're supposed to do. But we would do them for a different reason. Not so that we would look good, but that so we would love Him. Totally different. Bondage. Number two, doubt. Falling away from grace. Not inheriting the kingdom of God. That if we move into the flesh, that we suddenly begin to question the things that are settled for us. And we don't live by faith. Number three, selfishness or broken relationships. He says, watch out. If you bite and devour one another, you're never going to live the life the Spirit wanted you to live it's not going to happen and then number four perhaps the worst of all is that list of spiritless 
living, living without the Spirit. Having access to the Spirit, being indwelt by the Spirit, and suppressing the Spirit. The Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want to be those people. We don't want to be the people that are of the flesh. But there's this alternate choice that when I get up in the morning, I can move and step with the Spirit of God. For some of us, that we're going to have to rearrange some things to make that happen. We're going to have to rearrange our alarm clock so that the first thing we get to is Jesus. Let's just look at four things the Spirit produces. And we could dig into all of those more, and there's more there. But let's just look at four things the Spirit produces. Number one, freedom. Christ called you to be free, verse 13. Number two, faith, in verse 15. You can't live in faith if you're so worried about somebody else. Number three, grace. If you're led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. That's the pure grace of God. It's the pure grace of God. And then number four in verse 22 to 23, Spirit-filled living. Look at that list again real quick. Just listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against that kind of stuff. Doesn't that sound great? That doesn't sound heavy to me. That doesn't sound like a to-do list to me. That sounds a lot less stressful, doesn't it? What if you showed up at work and you were like somebody who was loving and joyful and peaceful and patient? That's gonna, we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help on that one. Faithful, gentle, under control. I can tell you one thing. Nobody's going to come complain about your performance. You see, most people, when they think about a Christian, they run to Romans 1 and say, yeah, well, you're against these kind of people. Or they run to, and they forget that Romans 8 is still in there. <laughs> right? How do people see the difference when you walk in step with the Spirit? When you walk in step with the Spirit? But then there's this amazing key to life given to us in verse 16. We probably missed it when we read through it. But I want you to think about it. Because verse 16 changes all of it. Changes the whole chapter. Look at verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. See, because where the rubber meets the road for you and me. You see, all of that stuff that I just talked about is what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to look like. And why you're supposed to do it is because you can make a difference in this world living for the Spirit. But most of us don't know how to get there. It, it, can we just be honest about that? That, it, that the how there is so important. But what does it say? Walk by the Spirit and you will not do those things you want to do. What is that talking about? Relationship. You see, a lot of times we feel like walking by the Spirit means we run back to the rule book. And that's not what it means. It's not about you. Paul, Paul gives us evidence, or what does he say? The fruit of the Spirit. That's not a laundry list of things for you to do. That is the fruit or the evidence that you have been walking with God. Let's think about Adam and Eve briefly. When Adam and Eve were walking with God, were things good or bad? They were good. What happens when God went away? Who showed up? The devil. And what did he say? Did God really say that? What's the devil doing in your heart? 
Is this really that big of a deal? Do I really need to stop doing that? Do I... Is that what God meant? Does God really disapprove of that lifestyle? Here we go. Walking back over to the flesh. Instead of trusting the Spirit of God. Walk by the Spirit and you won't indulge the flesh. The fruit of walking in the flesh is obvious. The fruit of walking with the Spirit is obvious. What's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit of your life? Why does it matter? Why does that matter? Because you will never be totally free without the Spirit of God living inside of you and walking with you. You, you, Seriously, you will never be free. You will be in slavery for the rest of your life. I don't want that. Do you want that? Of course not. Of course not. Let me think about this statement. I think it's in your notes. I'm never alone. Never alone. The Holy Spirit is always with me. When you struggle so hard to say no to a sin, I want you to remember that you're never alone. When you lose a loved one, I want you to remember I'm I'm never alone. How awesome is that? The Holy Spirit is always with me. When you don't know what decision to make, I want you to remember the Holy Spirit is always with me. I always have hope no matter what is happening because God is with me. Man, that'll change your Monday, won't it? That'll change your Tuesday. If you got kids, Thursday roll, rolls around, and you're like, Wah! maybe you have a maybe you have a job where where you work for somebody who's who's not all that in a bag of chips, and you're like, man, I just I need something else in my life. I want you to remember, I'm never alone. The Holy Spirit is always with me. If you got a relationship that's not working out. I want you to remember, I'm never alone. God is always with me. What an awesome thing. Relationship, not rules, leads to freedom. And freedom is walking with the Spirit, which produces fruit that's different than the flesh. That's the way it works in God's economy. It's not do right, God will love you, and then He'll bless you. It's God has blessed you, you're walking with Him, and you want to do what's right. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. It's so important. And then we get to this in chapter 2. And I want want to tell you, this part, this is worth dying for. This part is worth dying for. And guess what? If it's worth dying for, it's worth living for. Isn't it? Listen to this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry one another's burdens... And in this way, you can fulfill the law of Christ. Instead of keeping all the rules and tallying all the rules and being a Pharisee for the rest of your life, what he says is if you will care about people, I'll consider my law fulfilled in your life. How awesome is that? That's worth living for. That in God's eyes, having been rescued by him, If I'll begin to love people like he does, he'll consider his law filled in in my life. That's amazing. That's an amazing promise. He goes on, drop down to verse 7. And and this is so critical. This is so critical for your life. Don't be deceived. We're easily deceived. Did you know that? The Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. Somebody lift up your voice and say, that's true. It said, I, it said, who can know it, but I know it. That means it's worse than I think it is, isn't it? Don't be deceived. Why? 
God is not mocked. You can't play games with God. If you're not following Jesus today, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. You can't play games with God. He knows where you are, what you're going through, and how you're handling it. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Why? For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. It's worth living for. Because the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. That Greek there that talks about eternal life, we immediately, in our language, we, we run to salvation. It's not just talking about salvation. It's talking about when you get saved, Jesus brings what he called an abundant life. That from the moment I get saved, I'm eternally fixed, but I'm temporarily fulfilled. That Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have life to the full. Life, what? From the Spirit. You see, it's not life with God for eternity. It's eternal life from the Spirit. From the moment you get saved, you can begin to live in the Spirit. I'm never alone. God is always with me. I always have hope. I always have life because He's with me. Man, this stuff's good. I gotta, I gotta move on now. How do you take that stuff? And use it. How do you use that? The next thing in your notes, it says this. You have to make a choice. Living to make a difference. Living to make a difference. There's three things you have to actively choose to do for all of those things to become a reality. And for you to begin to walk in step with the Spirit. The first thing is you have to identify your sphere of influence. God's put you on this planet on purpose and for a purpose. What is it? We're going to be, in the next few months, rolling out a growth track for you. Because we're passionate about this. That God saved you, rescued you, gave you His Holy Spirit so that His blessings could flow to you but not stay there and flow through you. But I read a, a study from Fuller Theological Seminary this week that 86% of Christians have no idea what God's purpose for their life is. That's tragic. And at Redeemer City Church, we don't want to be guilty of the same thing. As your pastor, I don't want to be guilty of that same thing. I want you to know this is why God put me on this earth and this is how I can live that out and my life will never be the same because I'm never alone. God's always with me. Number two, meet people in their need. Whatever you're passionate about, there's people who are passionate about it and they have a need. Whoever's in your neighborhood, at your workplace, where you play, where you have fun, where you eat, there's people all around you all the time who know you, who have a need. Meet them in their need. And finally, point them to Jesus. We're not there to fix people. Only He can fix people. He'll bring them in because He loves them, but He loves them too much to leave them where they are. But you can't do it. All you can do is love them. In this way, you will fulfill my law. Carry each other's what burden. Meet them in their need. Point them to Jesus. God loves people. We need to love people. Now, let me close this way. Let me talk for a minute to those of you that are Christians. And if you're not a Christian today, you can listen in on this family meeting. I think it will help you. I think it will encourage you. Because this is what Christians are supposed to be all about. And maybe you've had a different view of what Christians are or who they are or what they're doing. I want you to know that this is important. Let me talk to those of you that call Redeemer City Church home. In our local context at Redeemer City Church, listen to me. God will move at the pace of faith 
in his people. Does that make sense? God, God made the promise, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. But he also gave us the ability to choose to move in the flesh or to move in the spirit. And he said, you're going to reap what you sow. So in our local church, God's going to move at the pace of our faith. Let me just show you, I'm going to skip the first one and go right to Mark 11. Uh, just look at this for sake of time. Mark chapter 11. Here's what Jesus, Jesus replies to this group. And he says, have faith in God. Simple enough. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, everything what does it say? Just a few things. Just say one thing. You got one thing a week. You got two things a month. Then say that. It says everything you pray and ask for. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, what's this go back to? Carry each other's burdens. Love one another and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. God will move at the pace of faith in this church. It starts with forgiving and loving people because we've been forgiven and loved. And then it moves into praying in faith that God will move mountains in this church. Listen, God's going to build his church, but he might choose to do it down the street if we don't believe he can do it here. Does that make sense? He's going to build his church. But he's inviting us to move at the pace of faith. We have an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing. He's going to do it. No question about it. And if we dissolve and this place disappears, God's going to build his church and we're going to find another one to go to. But in Ephesians chapter 3, he said that he is willing to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I believe making that choice to follow him today will be the best decision you ever make. And that it will bring immediate freedom to your life. Because he gave us a promise of freedom. You can choose freedom today. You don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit will go with you. And the church will come around you. It's one of the best things about Redeemer City Church. It's the relationships that get formed. Now, I want to invite the band up. And they're going to start to play. And we're going to sing a song. But here's the reality. As we close this, as we close this service and this sermon, the Bible tells us that we're to be doers of the word and not just hearers. So what I want you to do is near you on a clip is a pray card and a celebrate card. They're front to back, so you only need one. I want everybody to grab one. And I want to encourage everyone to take a next step today. Grab one of those cards. Because, see, maybe you are at the place today where you need to pray and confess Jesus as Lord and ask Him to move into your heart so that you can begin to walk and step with the Spirit. That you can begin to live life in freedom. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to confess Jesus as Lord. To put your trust in Him. Maybe you are a new Christian and you need to grab out of these baskets a next step book and begin to learn about the first steps of faith. I want to encourage you to do that. Go to Info Central, grab one from whoever's back there. It's not okay to not move if the Spirit of God is drawing you in. It's not okay to not move. 
Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't play games with God. Maybe for you, money is your thing. Money is your vice. Money is your idol. Maybe today you need to start giving a faithful tithe to God's church. The Bible says, settle in your heart, whatever you can do cheerfully. Start somewhere. And begin to give because that's the best way to reject the idol of money in this culture is to give back to the only thing that God ever built, the local church. And then you become a part of reaching people in Ethiopia. And then you become a part of reaching people in Tampa. And you become a part of discipling people that you'll never meet, but that God is faithful to work through his church. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to join a city group and get in community. It's time. It's time to do that. Go to Info Central right after the service and get the details. We have to move in faith. Maybe you need to join a serve team at Redeemer. There's a whole other church going on back there. And we need your help. We don't have enough servant leaders. We don't have enough shepherds in our kids' ministry to help us lead children to the feet of Jesus. What did Jesus say? That the kingdom of God belongs to children just like this. We need help. We need help. Maybe today you need to confess a sin. You don't have to put your name on that card. But we want to pray with you. If you're suffering from an addiction, or you're dealing with a depression, or you're dealing with something in your life, whatever it is, I want you to write that down on that pray card. And I want you to drop it in the pray and celebrate boxes after church. Or hand it to me. If you want to put your name on it, that'd be great. I pray for those cards every week. And, and here, here's the reality. You're in a spiritual battle and we want to fight it with you. We want to fight it with you. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, that if you confess your sins to somebody else, that you can be healed. Does anybody want to be healed today? Let's go ahead and confess that. Write it down. Soak in that. Find freedom today. Be healed today. close with this idea and then we're going to sing generosity is the pace of faith I said that God will move at the pace of your faith but here's the reality your generosity is the pace of faith generosity giving up your time to love and serve people giving up your treasure to move the kingdom of God forward giving up your talent finding that spiritual gift that God's given you and using it for His glory and the serving of the church. Generosity with those things, that is the pace of faith. Pray in faith and see if God won't move that mountain.